Hello everyone, welcome to the December edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, I'm sure you all know me by now. I've got two regular guests with me this month, James and Tony. Guys, how are you doing? Good, mate. Good, Kev. Yeah, all right, mate. I've woken up after that match last night. We'll come on to that in a minute, actually. Um, but before we do, we've got another guest with us uh, this month. We've got Tash, a Luton fan. Tash, thanks for joining us. Just say a few words about yourself. Introduce yourself. Um, hi, I'm Natasha. Been a Luton Town, Town fan for 10 years. Um, yeah, I just love going to the game. I went since I've been 13. So, yeah. Where'd you sit? Kenilworth Road End. Brilliant. Alongside me, I'm a Kenilworth Road End person yeah. as well. And I'm sure, like all of us, you're desperate to get back uh, into your normal seat for a oh, yeah, um, regular yeah. occurrence. We'll come on to all of that in a minute. Um, before we start, let me just run you through uh, what you've got to look forward to in this episode. We will discuss in full having fans back uh, for the first time officially on Saturday against Preston, but obviously there's been the test run as well. We'll go through the matches since we were last here. We'll talk about a couple of players that have stood out in those matches. We'll assess the, go- the town's goal-scoring situation. Clearly, we're not scoring enough of them. And the boys will tell us, uh, and Tash will tell us, um, how we can get more. We'll have a look ahead at the Christmas period, which is pretty hectic. We'll briefly go through some updates with the new plans regarding Power Court. And then we'll finish off, as this is our last full podcast of 2020, with a review of the year and what we can expect in 2021. Let's start then with fans being back in the stadium. James, I'm going to come to you first on this one, actually, because you're the unfortunate stroke fortunate, however way you look at it, one who's been to football throughout lockdown. What did it mean to you to be going to a football match that had fans back there when 1,000 turned up for the Norwich game? Well, I mean, I, was, I felt a bit nonchalant going up towards the game. I hadn't really considered it because it's been so long without fans but then you're just walking up Hazelbury Crescent and there's people there where usually it was a ghost town and um and that's sort of what you you got used to and just wandered up to the up to the um up to the ground got your temperature checked and 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 strolled in on your own nobody there and uh so to sort of turn the corner at the top of Hazelbury Crescent where you saw the ground and you're there doing your media bit with the (laughs) With ITV and countless others, I imagine. I'd just like to see. I was like, it was a bit of a shock. I was almost like I didn't really know what to do because I don't really see people these days, do you, in real life? You see them like this, like we're doing on a Zoom. So, yeah, it was, uh, it sort of just hit me at that point that the hell there's people here and they're all standing around waiting for the turnstiles to open, getting the ground, and just to see anyone in the stands was brilliant, really. And, uh, it sort of then it hit home when the the players came out and there was some chants and songs and you're like, bloody hell, this is proper football. And then uh, uh, Nathan Jones came out just before the the kickoff, and uh, I hadn't really considered that because it just seems like such a long time ago that it was it was a it was a question about whether fans would like take 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 to him again. So I'm glad they they they. they clapped him uh and then then you know game to get underway and it felt it felt more than the usual sort of practice match that it has done really i know there's been some good games but you can't get away from the fact that there's no atmosphere and no fans and that's really what makes it so it just stepped it up a notch and obviously the result was amazing and 
you wonder how much influence the the crowd had on that. Although it was a thousand people and there was, uh, you know, dotted around the place, they they made a decent noise. Um, and then the, and now they're going to be double for the next the next game against Preston. So it just it felt surreal, but then it felt brilliant. And hopefully, it now is the start of of, of more fans coming back and to the point where eventually. Hopefully this vaccine comes along and then we can get 10,000 back in there and start making a racket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll come on to the result of the game and everything in a minute. But the primary thing that night was safety, wasn't it? The club proving that a thousand people could be safe, everyone can get get by and everything else. I have to say, you know, as you mentioned, I was one of the lucky ones that uh, got a ticket to go into the game. That temperature check when you've not been to a football match for nine months is the most nerve-wracking thing in the world. You're standing there please go green don't you dare go red and send me packing after all of this now and uh, thankfully um I, I didn't go through with my threat of sitting in the freezer throughout the day but i i did manage to get get through there and actually inside the ground it's very very safe isn't it sanitizers all around the place social distancing absolutely yeah fine well i, I mean the, the club had sorted that out a long time ago i think that's what i was led to believe they were you know, ready to ready to go with it but this is my argument the whole the whole way along. It, it it made no sense that football fans weren't allowed into the ground. I, I understand that you couldn't have a full capacity and people shoulder to shoulder, but it's absolute nonsense when people could go to cinemas and watch it or bars. Uh, you know all the different things that you're allowed to do in a socially distanced way indoors, and then you couldn't go to a football match. It was ridiculous. It should have happened a long time ago, uh, and. and the club and other clubs could well easily have coped with a thousand, two thousand fans just to keep it ticking over. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 better late than never, I suppose. But uh, let's hope they don't start taking these things away again and saying you can't go to football. Yeah, I'm sure the club will have something to say about that. Tony, you volunteered at that game. There was um, no issues where you were concerned. No, I mean it. It, it was um, sort of unusual. Um, circumstances. It was a pilot scheme as well, so there was a lot riding on it. But um, you know, we were well drilled beforehand, and we worked quite well with the, the existing stewards. And I must say that you know, uh, the vast majority of the fans there were very cooperative, and and um, you know, most of what we were doing was just explaining to them the ramifications of why they needed to follow these guidelines. Um, you know, one or two would pull their mask down, but if you asked them to put it up, they were fine. Um, they did make plenty of noise, and the main thing on the night is I think I look lovely in pink. Uh, well, yeah, uh, one or two of you didn't, but, you know, that's um, part of the course, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and now, of course, the um, the pathway has been set for uh, 2,000 fans this Saturday, and Tash, I believe that the ticket office are actually splitting the season ticket holders up who want to go uh, into sort of three bands, band A, band B, band C. Yeah. So it's good that we're going to get three games as long as the restrictions and things don't change. We're going to get three games in the foreseeable future. So how excited are you at getting back inside Kenworth Road? Very excited. I think with the fans coming back, I think it's made a difference in like their, like football's, like football players' confidence and everything, like getting, like they're getting more... I think it's more exciting them as well because they're getting back to normality and everything. So, yeah, I think it's quite, yeah, quite excited to get back. And actually, James, although there was only a thousand in there, 
it wasn't like there was a lack of atmosphere or anything, was it? I mean, I see on social media people are saying, oh, it's going to be like diluted and everything. I can't, I'm not going until everything's back to full normality. But you wouldn't really have known it. I mean, the songs were still sung. There was still that echo around the ground. Okay, it wasn't as loud as 10,000 in there, but it wasn't like ghost town sort of atmosphere, was it? No, it wasn't like a checker trade game where, you know, fans went to do something with their evening but didn't really care that much. It was a championship game, wasn't it? And, and against the league leaders as well. So it, it did feel like a proper game um, and a proper atmosphere. But let's make no bones about it. Everybody wants 10,000 people back in there. Because of the situation, people were loving it. But nobody really in the long run, in the general scheme of things, wants just a thousand fans to be in there. That's what, you know, Dagenham Redbridge get or something. But we don't want to return to those days. We want full full houses full throttle championship football, um, you know, needs must at the moment. And um, it, yeah, it just, it did feel like a bit of a privilege to be there. Um, just, it, just the little things that you know, that you notice that you've been starved of for so long. Yeah. I got to go in the ground throughout this whole time and, and watch the game. So I feel privileged that way, but there's, there's an extra element when a fan, the fans are in there and, and you know, I, I understand people that like to talk tactics and all this sort of stuff, but I like the whole overall drama of it. And without the fans, you don't get that. And so you have to sort of create yourself and it's just not the same. (laughs) Funnily enough, it only took about two seconds for the fans to get on the Norwich players' backs when one of them kicked off whilst the rest of them were still taking the knee and things. I thought, yep, that's um, that's it. We're back now. Uh, Let's go on to the game itself now. Anyone who's listened to this podcast will know I absolutely hate giving credit, especially when James and Tony are involved. But on this occasion, we've got to give some credit to Simon because, uh, I mean, let me take you back and remind you what he said when we um, when we asked him his thoughts on that Norwich game in the last podcast. You know, there's no reason that uh, it can't be one of those nights again and we can come away with three points and a good win. There's, there's going to be a good win come up in this set of fixtures. Yeah, there's something about that game. I just I'm feeling a little more positive. That's good. Don't yeah. replay this on the next podcast if we've got thrashed. <laughs> Clearly, he was very, very buoyant uh, that we were going to win. And well, James, he was he was spot on, wasn't he? It was, and it was the first thing he said to me at the final whistle as well, just to just to <laughs> remind me because I didn't I didn't give Luton a hope. Uh, I, I really didn't, and you know for good reason. They, they'd gone for two months without being beaten. And they were top of the league, and they had um, an ability to score late goals. Um, but Luton were the best team throughout. They fully deserved it. Probably could have scored more. Um, and it was it was it was one of those magical magical nights, really, under the lights that you, you missed for so long. I really really enjoyed the game, um, and m- more of that is what I want. Um, I, the same is just not a one off sort of like adrenaline boost. Um, because you know that that team that team has thrived off uh, fans being in the ground for two years, three years, um, longer really. We're no Luton, but you know what I mean. The, under under Nathan Jones, under the run they've taken to get to the championship. So um, yeah, and it, it was a it was a, it was just a really really enjoyable game for all all sorts of reasons. Really, uh, I think you didn't even get asleep uh, for for quite some time after you got home, did you? Because the the buzz of it. Yeah, it's just that that adrenaline rush that you get at a football match in there that we've not experienced for so long. And obviously, yeah, yeah, that was the case. So, you know, I was 
upright and things and stuff like that. Tash, um, there's something about the floodlights at Kenworth Road that inspired George Moncur to score goals, isn't there? And uh, what a wonderful opening goal that night, curled into the bottom corner, mm-hmm. celebrated in front of the Oak Road end. It was just, it was just like the old days. Yeah, it was like the best goal ever. Like I've never seen like, oh, it's so good. Like just hit and just went in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I had a great view of that, by the way, Kev, from where I was sat. He, he uh, started shooting like right in my eye line uh, of the far post, and I could see it uh, bend around the player and come go in. And um, yeah, I lost. Uh, uh, I got lost in the moment as well. I sort of jumped up and went, "God!" Yeah, should have been a bit more. Uh, yeah, been a bit. It's, it's, it's not only Pelly that scores bangers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, no, no, I, I was in the David Priest stand and uh, so I had the floodlight in the way. I'm not even mm-hmm. complaining that I had the floodlight in the way. I was just glad to be there. But mm-hmm. as soon as the ball fell, you know, as soon as he cut inside Monka, you knew exactly where it was going. Yeah. And it was just a matter of, is he going to celebrate? I saw him celebrate the other side of the floodlight and uh, everything was good. Tony, um, we were pegged back quite quickly, weren't we? Uh, unfortunate slip from Tom, Tom Lockyer. Uh, let I'm not even going to pronounce their, um, their bloke's name, but he, he went through on goal. He had a bit of a swan lake act stroke Bambi in, in the box mm. went down penalty to equalise but we hit straight back with uh, Matty Pearson yeah um, it, it, it quite a turnaround I mean Mr Unpronounceable I, I, the way he, he went down I mean it it, it was a, a yeah it, 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 was, it was a foul and a penalty but I thought wasn't he halfway down Kenilworth Road when he stopped rolling you know it, it was um, <laughs> one of those things but to, for us to come back and 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 score straight away was the the the, the perfect reply. I mean, and uh, what a great free kick by uh, you know uh, Kiernan. And uh, I was right behind the Oak Road goal. That that's what my little bit was where I was volunteering. And the actual thump you heard when when Matty got his head on the ball was just unreal. You know, I thought you only hear something like that when uh, you, you kick the ball, but no, it, it, it was a cracking goal. And their keeper was at fault because he should have had it. I know it was very powerful, but it was straight at him. Mm. You know, and uh, it, it, it was a great performance all round, I thought. You know, we, we deserved the win at the end of the day. And it was nice to see Mr. Aarons get some stick as well, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, they were a tetchy lot, weren't they, Norwich and yeah. James? They, they had a fair bit of moaning to do. Um, one of which was the penalty that we got in the second half. Don't really see what they were moaning about, but they managed to find something. But Collins weren't missing. No, and, and once he scored that, I, I thought the, the result was fairly certain. I still had in the back of my mind that Norwich might nick something late on. But uh, yeah, once that in that went in, the, I think the result was certain. But Luton were really... Um, they managed the game really well defensively. You mentioned Max Aaron's, and he didn't get a sniff uh, against James Bree. Um, and, and and both wings actually, they were they were really uh, stunted by what Luton were were doing, and there was no way through. And um, it, it was the different side uh, of Luton, really. One of one of I'd say apart, you know, apart from the Birmingham game where Luton really should have won, and it was a good performance style game. It, that that is one of the other ones where I think that they've played really well for you know about eighty five minutes of the ninety I reckon, uh, but in different ways and, and and got the results so it was good to see. 
Yeah, you mentioned that Birmingham game. Let's go on to the rest of um, that period. Uh, it started off the international break, Tony, with um, draw against Blackburn Rovers. I think we were all a little bit fearful of what Blackburn could offer up front, but you know, re- realistically, we kept them to little um, in a decent draw. Yeah, it was a good point. Uh, you know, Blackburn seemed to be uh, a fairly decent side away from home and uh, I thought we looked quite good I thought I thought we'd give them a game and, and uh, you know I, I, I think we're unlucky not to come away from that game with three points to be honest with you Kev Yeah that's fair enough uh, Tash one game that we were definitely unfortunate not to come away with a win was the following one against Birmingham City James has just highlighted how well we played apart from a winning goal that was almost perfect for Yeah it was uh, we did have a good game that game uh, just the just didn't score, really. Yeah, got that first one um, early, James, but just couldn't get that second one that probably would have killed it because Birmingham didn't look much, did they? No, they look really poor. I mean, they've not been any great shakes the last the last season as well, but they've somehow managed to get something. And um, usually because Jukovic scores, he scores, he scored in every game uh, against Luton since coming back to the Championship. I'm glad he didn't have too much more influence. But um, yeah, look, it's James Collins really I, I don't know why he hasn't scored and it's not that I can't really put too much blame on him because he's hit the target for one the goalie's falling over as he hits it and uh, and somehow makes the save and it's just one of those where you sort of you wonder how it's not gone and he could have had a hat-trick that day and mm. he's, he's not having the, the best of time in front of goal at the moment is he? No, he isn't. I was just going to say, you celebrate Djokovic scoring, but that that game, wasn't that the first goal he scored against us where he wasn't climbing all over one of our players? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's the first game I thought that Luton really managed him well. He was a bit of, he has been a bit of a pain in the arse at last, last season's games. He was a bit of a menace, but um, he didn't really have much of a sniff, really. Um, so that that is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, they were only scoring from a penalty, really, wasn't they? And I suppose we can't really have too many complaints that the penalty was given. Elliot Lee's arm was up much higher than it should have been. It just so happened to hit it. Following game from that, Tony, was one of two fruitless trips to Wales. In fact, if Wales wasn't around, it would have been a fantastic month because we'd have been unbeaten. But I mean, my word, did we get, well, put in our place down at Cardiff? Well, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> You sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> was it the <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, seriously, that that was such a disappointing game, wasn't it? Um, I, I think we made it easy for them. You know, we didn't look mm. like we had any fight. We didn't look like we were interested at all. Um, and I, I, I don't know what caused it or whatever, but. Um, the end of the day, you you couldn't really argue with the result. We were that bad, uh, and Cardiff. I think I don't think the scoreline flattered them. To be honest, I think they deserved it at the end of the day. Um, and it, it seems like with this Luton side, that every now and again we 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 get a performance like that, don't we? You know, where they, we do. Don't turn up. We do, but the good thing is that when we get one, we usually immediately bounce back with a real positive one, don't we? You're right right with that, Kev. We do do that. 
you almost want us, if we're going to lose, you almost want us to get absolutely thumped so that the next game is that bounce back rather than a narrow defeat where there's kind of that hangover. This team seems to have the ability that when they are absolutely beaten, they know it and they know that they've got a bounce back sort of thing. And, uh, and like we said, that's what they did against Norwich. But after the euphoria of Norwich, James came, actually I'll go to um, Tash, um, came another loss, a loss in um, Wales when we lost to uh, Swansea, another game where there wasn't really anything doing, although the performance was a bit better than against Cardiff. It was a bit better, but then I still think like they tried, like, Swansea tried to wind our players up, like we got Matty Pearson sent off because of it. I think they just tried to wind him, wind him up as well so they could get a goal in, basically. Yeah, there were a few that were sort of getting stuck in one there. Luke Berry was another mm. one that got was on the wrong end of a few bits like that. And yeah. um, I think they want I mean, one, of our, not... one of our players like sent off. You could see they wanted one of our players sent off just so it was easy for them to score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mentioned Luke Berry a minute ago, Tony. How on earth did he not score? Oh, no, I know. I just... <laughs> But it happens, doesn't it? It's, it does. That's the game. That's why we love the game, isn't it? I mean, I'm just saying about that Swansea performance, I don't think either side were, were great shapes, but I, I still feel that we actually did enough to get something out of the game. And I think Swansea felt that we were unlucky as well. Yeah, I thought the performance merited a bit better than that. It was uh, it was a rare one where I'm James on his website and we lose. It's only happened twice. And uh, funnily <laughs> enough, they've both been against Swansea both around the time of his birthday as well. So uh, maybe there's something in that. Don't play don't on James. Don't why you, you covered his column. Yeah, don't, bl- <laughs> don't play on James's birthday is the uh, is the method to that. James, you kind of got um, rewarded for missing Saturday by having to sit through Tuesday night's game. Now, I notice on YouTube, the club or whoever puts the highlights of the game together have found two minutes of highlights from that Coventry City game. Now, I haven't watched it because watching it first time round was bad enough. I can only assume those two minutes were the first whistle and the last whistle. But did you find any positives in between? God, it was it was it was awful. I mean, I couldn't go to the game for starters because um, my little girl's school's been shut down, so uh, I couldn't get away. So um, that was one thing. So I thought, oh well, I'll just watch it on the eye follow. I got so bored in the end. I was watching the living room and my, my missus was watching Nigella Lawson. I ended up started tweeting about Nigella Lawson instead because I was that bored. She pronounces microwave, microwave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the highlight of my night. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but I just, I just absolutely done my head in. I couldn't, couldn't concentrate. But uh, maybe James Collins heard it as well and that's why he stuck it over the bar because I don't know how he's missed that. But um, it, I mean, other than that, a header from him where it was a bit behind him, a couple of decent Harry Cornick crosses uh, towards the end of the first half, everything else was absolutely dire. Dreary, woeful stuff. The referee was a shocker, stop, start. The only redeemable quality of it was um, you know, a reasonably solid defensive display and... Um, uh, you know, Sonny Bradley coming back and really putting in a, a, a great shift after the horrible week uh, he's had. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And just on Sonny Bradley, obviously, our thoughts and um, best wishes go out to him, his family, friends uh, and everyone else uh, in light of the tragic news that broke last week. Um, you know what, Kev? Before you move on, I was going to say, I'm, I'm somewhat, you know, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. James was watching Nigella Lawson and all he's struck by is uh, the way she pronounces words. 
she you know? she's not she's not my demographic mate she's i think she's more you i, I don't get it at all I, I, I don't get anything she does at all it's not it's not uh, it's not doing it for me it actually says everything about that coventry game that i'm more jealous that james was watching nigella lawson than um <laughs> one one thing don't don't you think that ref um, during that game, he, he was really bad. But I thought how we were, what he was doing, was winding up both sets of players, mm. Mm. making situations worse. Yeah, I thought he was terrible, the referee. Yeah, um, he was awful. for us, for both teams. Although I've got to say, I kind of stopped giving him grief after he didn't send pots off because that was the clearest second yellow card you'll ever see. Well, it, it shouldn't have been a first yellow card. It shouldn't though, have should been a first. So right. he's, he's probably looked at it and gone, I've had a mare there. He's got mm. influenced by the Coventry bench. It doesn't get given if it's anywhere else but in front of the, the dugout. So, yeah, he's he's. I reckon he's looked at it and said, I've had a mare, so I'll just wave that one away. I hope nobody notices, but uh, we did. We absolutely did, yeah. All in all, then, six points from... Um, those six games, James. I know you're happy with that because that's what you predicted in the last podcast. I will get it in before um, before you do. Uh, but you know, point of game didn't really play well in too many of them matches, apart from two of them. So I don't think we're going to have too many complaints, can we? No. Um, I mean, the two the two ones in Wales. Yeah, you take those two out of it, um, and it, you know, performance wise, uh, is pretty decent. And you know, Luton are still mid table, thirteen. 13 positions, so um, they're, they're well up on the points they had this time last year. Um, they 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 were third from bottom this time last year. Um, so it's it's you know everything's ticking along nicely. If anyone was expecting them to be higher, good luck to you. You're you're an optimist, but they're not they're not anywhere near the bottom. I think they're what nine? No more more than that. Double figures off the bottom three. So. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah, it's a decent month. In what was yeah, it was a very tricky month. For some of those teams that they were playing. So, um, but yeah, uh, nice of you to mention that I have got a, a prediction right. I don't get many, but uh, I love that one. No, I, you're right. I don't have to mention it very often. Um, Tash, <laughs> is that how you saw um, that period? Are you happy with where we are at the current point of the season? Yeah, I'm happy where we are at the moment. Yeah, because I think last season, because we're right at the bottom, I don't think. I think the players get a bit worried now because obviously they're worried about going falling back. So now, because we're at the like thirteenth, I think that's a good place to be. To be honest. Yep, I'm sure we'd be more than happy. Yeah, if we stay there mm. for the next five months to come. Okay, let's move on to a couple of players in particular. Now, we've never in the three seasons of this podcast, James covered the same player in successive months, but we cannot not do a player focus on Keane and Dewsbury Hall for the second month in a row because this kid is something special, isn't he? And and actually, I think it's kind of the highlight of us being in the championship, of the calibre of lone player that we've had in the last sort of season and a bit. I mean, if you think last season, Luke Bolton, James Bree, Izzy Brown in particular, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and then this season, Reese Norrington-Davies and Keane and Dewsbury Hall, we're, we're, we're lucky enough to see some special talents. And this kid might actually be the best of the lot. I think he is already. I mean, no, I, I waxed lyrical over Izzy Brown last year and, uh, you know, his, his stats for creating chances spoke for themselves. But, you know, fans uh, got wound up by the by the perception that he wasn't doing any sort of defensive work um, and he obviously had an appalling uh, injury record. Whereas, you know, 
Dewsbury Hall, he does everything. He's he, in in one match. Um, he, he was he was back putting in saving tackles, and then he was up the other end of the pitch. I think it was Birmingham. Um, you know, putting through balls through and and, and trying to open up the, the Birmingham defence. I mean, the only thing he's missing at the minute is a goal because um, he's he's got an eye for a pass. He gets his he gets his boot in. Um, you know, and you know his first game that I saw him, I was a bit unsure. There was a lot of sideways passing. I was thinking, oh, not another one of these. But I mean, he was just—he was obviously just finding his feet. Um, since then, uh, I know that he—he he started on the bench for the first time yesterday, uh, yesterday against Coventry, and didn't really—you know—nobody was coming off the bench in that game and, and having any influence. That, that the game was that bad. It was—it was a. It was a dead duck that game. So, uh, but before that, I'd had him as my man of match four games in a row. He was head and shoulders the best, the best player on the park, um, and he's he's got everything. And um, uh, yeah, it, it is great to see. Uh, you know, he's 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 keeping well, until the Coventry game. He's keeping Joe Morrell out the out the out the side. I'd like to see him play together. To be honest, I, I register day when that happens to see what they're. They both like together, but uh, um, you know, for the last month, uh, it's been a joy to watch Kin and Dewsbury. That was actually one of the um, things I was looking forward to most for that Norwich game. You know, uh, as I say, I, I like watching special talents, and um, and he's definitely one of them. And I spent most of the the game actually just following him because invariably he's where the ball is. You know, he reads the game so well in the middle, isn't he? When the second ball comes out, you know, you you kind of know it's him that's there, even without sort of seeing a shirt number and things. But his weight of pass is something special. And, um, you know, his delivery of set pieces in that game was good. And he, and he almost scored late on. And they, I can't remember which game it was, but he's also nicked um, George Moncur off for free kicks as well, hasn't he? So, uh, yeah, there's clearly something special about the kid. Um, it's the little things that, as well. Um that perhaps we aren't accustomed to because, you know, we've been knocking around in the doldrums of football pyramid for quite some time. Um, but when you see it, and I'm talking like the first touch and then he's able to nip away from a player with like three strides and, and that sort of thing. It's just like little minor things there which you don't think are that big, but when you actually see it and he does it on a regular basis, you can see the quality he's got. And it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of um, when JJ started getting into his stride once he got into the team. His first touch was perfect, immaculate stuff, and it it sets the sets the tone for everything else he wants to do with football. When he's controlled it in sort of a split second more, uh, quicker than any other player, and then can just get his head up and start doing stuff. And it's that little like speed of thought and skill that um, allows him to play so well it's just yeah it's wonderful to see and Tony he's, he's strong as well isn't he you don't get him off the ball very easy he's, he's happy to take the ball away from players that are sort of closing him down and things he he's naturally strong it seems yeah you can see it I mean uh, I totally agree with everything uh, James has said about him I mean he, he, his first touch is great and he he's got um, you know vision as well he sees passes and everything and it only, you know, it just shows about the kid that, um, you know, practically every match he's played for us, he's been man of the match. And I mean, he, he, he you know, he's young, he, and he's still learning his game, and it makes you sort of, 
frightens you in a way what's what it could be like in five six years time um you know and I, I think he certainly um made a difference to our midfield and yeah it, it goes back to the point we were discussing earlier that these are the sort of players that we can now attract on loan uh, and it, it, it makes a, a, a hell of a difference. I mean, yeah, it, 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 he's got the lot. You know, um, very, very in, in, impressed with him. And again, as, as, as James said, you know, his first game, he was finding his feet. And uh, he's just slotted in there brilliantly, he has. And uh, he, he, he's made such a difference to us. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Leicester have, have got a hell of a player on their hands there. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a special player. I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing more of him. Uh, Kenneth for Tash, what do you make of um, Dewsbury Hall? I mean, uh, I'm sure you've noticed that everything that we have is just a great player. Yeah, he's oh, a great he's player. Big. Yeah, he's a great player. He is. It's just his. Sometimes his corners are a bit. Mm, some of so one are good, and then the next one is a bit. Yeah, but yeah, he's quite a good player. You see, his passes are like yeah. Yeah, a couple of the corners he took, a couple of corners he took at Coventry mm. were like, why, why be bothered? Yeah, it's like that. Yeah, wasting your energy there, pal. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Yes, it was like uh, a, it was almost like a competition between him and Luke Berry, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was. delivery, wasn't it? I think they had it again. Best corner. <laughs> they had it in for the bloke at the front post. They were all trying to knock him over, but neither of them actually managed it. It was, it yeah. must have been something like that, in, in much the same way that the Coventry corners had a problem with James Collins because he seemed to head all of theirs away as well. So uh, that's fair enough. Uh, James, another player who's really stood out uh, in the last two or three games that he's been in the side is Tom Lockyer. We expected big things of him when we signed him in line with the fact that I think in the eyes of most people, he was uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers' replacement. Um, took a little while to get going, didn't he? Had an injury, a uh, little bit of a niggle and things like that. But he's in the side now and you kind of get the feeling it's going to take something really special or an injury to get him out of it. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about him coming in the first time, it was when we were talking about Matty Pearson, who really was having a tough time. And actually, Matty Pearson, since we've had a bit of a... It wasn't a pop, was it? We were measured and, um, you know, we like Matty Pearson. But ever since we, we said that, and I was not saying that this has anything to do with what came out of our mouths, but Matty Pearson's been really good. And in fact, his best position has probably been right back when he's played out there, but uh, I digress. Um, yeah, so Tom Lockyer's basically had to bide his time. And uh, what I asked Nathan about it, or somebody did in the press conference, and he, he was talking about the the players that have had been playing are the ones that he's trusted the ones that have got him up from League Two or League One. Um, and so players like Morel and Lockyer, yeah, they're international Wales, Welsh uh, players, but they have to earn that trust of him, which they will do. And I think the last couple of games that Lockyer's played um, w- will have done in, in the world of good in, in, in that regard because, um, you know, in, in a turgid, turgid match, uh, against Coventry he really stood out as a, a really calm cool collected defender um, and I think the three the, the defensive three really suits him there but he's got something about him going forward as well and he'll he'll, he'll, he'll burst out of the defence um, as has Sonny Bradley actually uh, this season I think he's really come along from 
being able to play alongside or at least train alongside someone like Tom Lockyer. But he, he was doing it as well. He's, he, he's got a good left foot, um, a decent eye for a pass. I, I wouldn't like to see him come out of the team um, now. Now that he's sort of got his way in, however that happens, uh, I think he's proven that he's a very good, very good defender and a, a very good addition. Um, I'm glad that he's he's one that Luton have actually signed and not a not a lone player because. Um, it, you know, we just talked about Kidd and Jusby Hall and obviously he, he will go back to Leicester at the end of the season. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, tonight before we started recording this podcast, Reese Norrit and Davis had just signed a new new deal with um, Sheffield United. So that will keep him there till 2024. And actually, I was a bit worried about that because they said he's got, I knew anyway, he's got a recall option in January, but... Um, it'd be a nightmare if they do actually enact that. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Chris Wilder was saying they'll be there for, for the season because yeah, there was rumours of him getting um, uh, other championship clubs wanting to sign him, wasn't there? But uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a, it's a shame. Uh, that's another, that's another Wales defender. Um, but yeah, Tom, Tom Luck yeah, has, has really stood out the last couple of games and uh, long may that continue because, um, you know, they've, they've getting quite a few clean sheets now. Um, five in the league this season, pretty decent. Um, town have only, well, they've only conceded 20 goals. And <clears throat> I'm getting these stats, actually. I'll, I'll give credit to my old mate, Mike, at the Luton News. He, he's, uh, he did a tweet this morning, which saved me a lot of research. So, uh, big up Mike. But he's, uh, yeah, so Luton have conceded 20 goals this season compared to 32 at the same stage last season, which is probably one of the major reasons why they're in 13th at the moment because the goals ain't going in as freely as we'd like. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, yeah, with regard to the Norrington Davies recall, thank God Sheffield United got Man United in two games' time. They might actually win a game and um, realise that they don't need him. Tony, uh, Tom Lockyer, what have you made of him? I mean, prior to the last sort of three games, what he would have been remembered for in a Luton shirt was almost scoring against Man United, but thankfully we're seeing the defensive side of him and the attacking side of him. Mm, it's taken a while for him to get into the side, uh, but in fact, actually, I found him one of the few bright spots from Tuesday night. Um, you know, he, he did look good going forward, uh, probably uh, one of our better players, um, defensive players at going forward. But if you look, he did make one or two good interceptions as well. And uh, he, he, he looks, he, he does look a, a, a very good defender. His positioning sense is good. His reading of the game is good. And I think he's a, he's a, a great acquisition for us. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I think he's only going to get stronger. But you're right in what you said earlier, Kev, that it's going to take something to get him out of that side now because he, he, he does look so good there. And he looks good regardless of who he's playing alongside, whether it's Sonny Bradley or whether it's Matty Pearson. And I'd just like to say, you know, about Matty Pearson, I think he at last is starting to look like a championship defender. Um, you know, so I, I, I think we're quite strong at the back now. And especially with Glenn, Glenn Ray that can drop back into that role as well. I, I thought we looked quite good with that um, three-man defence last night. Uh, so um, I, I think it's great. You know, disappointed that we didn't sign Carter Vickers. But actually looking at it, I think, you know, we might have got a better player actually there in Tom Lockyer. 
That's a bold statement, that one. Um, Tash, how do you see Lockyer playing? Yeah, I think he's come along really well. Like, okay, it takes progress, it takes time. But yeah, I think Tuesday night he showed what he could do in the Championship League. So yeah. Yep, fingers crossed we see an awful lot more of that. Like Tony says, whoever he plays alongside. Actually, there's a bit of a selection headache, isn't there, at defence on Saturday with Matty Pearson back. So uh, that will be interesting to see who lines up. I like the three. I know he's. I know he's gonna. He's gonna judge it on the team he plays. But I really like the the three man defence when it's when it's been utilised. And I think there's that that's a role that they can all three fit in very well. But I I tell you what, isn't it good? Actually, you know, midfield and defence that we seem to have. You know, strength in depth, which is good. You know, the bench that we've got. Um, for every well, and now, yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, you've got um, yeah. Potts and Potts and James Bree who've just come back, and they've probably not really got back to full match fitness and sharpness and hitting their straps yet. So they've got that to come back as well. And Galloway was on the bench on uh, last night as well, wasn't he? So yep. he was on the way back as well. Yeah, yep. not really seen any of him, have we? Really? No. <laughs> so so little. I mean, um, I wish I didn't have to see what happened to Brentford. But, um, yeah, I'm glad he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots, of, so there's lots of strength in depth in defence and in midfield. But one area where we are struggling, and it was highlighted by Mick Harford in the um, after match last night, is up front. We're not scoring as many goals as we need to, perhaps, to be winning games of football. And and actually, we're creating some good chances and not converting them. James, what's the answer? Other than scoring, obviously, when the chances are blocked. <laughs> yeah, and not having goalies fall over in the right place would be a bit useful. But um, do, do you know what? Um, I, I'd i be really concerned if they weren't creating the chances. There have been a couple of games where um, there's been maybe just one shot on target. But if you take Coventry, even though it was an absolutely dreadful game, there were chances. Obviously, that... The big one for me was Berry knocking it down for Collins and him uh, scoring a conversion rather than a goal uh, was the one for me. And it's just that sort of thing that's not really going. I mean, he, Collins in particular is getting in those positions. If you think he could probably could have had a hat-trick maybe four against Birmingham and comes away with nothing. Um, and then he probably should have scored against Coventry. It's, it, it, it's hard to see particularly what they're doing wrong. I think Nathan Jones addressed it before Coventry, where he says he'd like them to shoot a bit more, which, yes, that's one way, and I think that's 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 a good thing uh, for them to do. But they are now getting down the wings and, and, and getting crosses in. I think uh, it's always going to be tricky to score goals when, uh, you know, your top goal scorer is having a bit of a bad patch in front of goal. Uh, a barren patch, sorry, but his, his his strike partner hasn't scored yet, and I think that's probably not not helping. Harry Harry Cornick's doing his fair share of trying to create goals, I think, but um, compared to the the amount he scored last year to this year is a bit concerning, and even to the point of you know there was the debate that we were having last season. He needs to be more clinical. When he gets through on goal, he was missing a lot of one-on-ones, wasn't he? But he's not even getting those at the moment. So um, that's a bit of a concern that he's he's not getting in those um, 
those sorts of positions. But I mean, if you look back to the two promotion winning seasons, Luton created so many chances. They didn't score them all. There was the odd game where they pumped somebody 7 8 nil. But there was a lot of times they created so many chances didn't actually score them. So I think probably you're seeing a bit of that come through. Whereas in the championship, you don't get as many chances. You need to be a bit more clinical. Perhaps they just haven't found that clinical edge yet. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Tony, we seem to be better in certainly in terms of creating the chances, if not scoring them, when George Moncur's on the pitch. But actually, also Jordan Clark has been um, involved in 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 a lot of that, particularly you know at Swansea on Saturday, even though we didn't score and things. But how do you see the answer uh, to the goal scoring problem? Is it is it a lack of service from the midfield? Is it the wide players not being good enough? I mean. Or or is it indeed Collins not being good enough? How how do you see it? What what's what's the what's the missing ingredient? Um, I I, I see a number of things actually. Um, one of them, I think uh, Nathan touched on it when he said that um, about trying to score the perfect goal. I think there's a bit of that, and sometimes you'll see them on on the edge of the box. They get in a position, and you think shoot. And they don't, and you know, or they pay a misplaced, you know, misplaced pass. Um, one of the things that I know I notice as well is that uh, when we we get forward and we're breaking quickly, and a, and a lot of our game is, is is based on quick counter attacks. Is you know, we, we we'll get the ball into a wide position, and then there's nobody in the box. We're not getting enough players into the box. That's what I look at. And then the final thing as well. Is I think our crossing needs a lot to be to be desired as well. We've got to tighten up on that, and we've got to be more effective at crossing. We've got to look at getting the ball in earlier. And I, and I think um, you know when Collins um, gets in the box, um, it, 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 the ball's not going where it should be. I mean, on a few occasions we've got it right this season, but in the main we haven't. Um, and one of the things that fr- always frustrates me in football, you always see it, and it, it seems to be a thing in Luton games, that, you know, we'll, we'll break down, down, say, the right wing and cross it in, and the players make the run. One will go to the near post or somebody will go to the centre of the goal and the cross goes over the head and there's nobody at the back post. You know, mm. I've often thought, why, why doesn't a player look to, to go to the back post? You know, it, 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 for for the overhit cross. So um, I, I, I I'm not worried about our midfield. I'm not worried about our defence. We're not conceding a lot of goals, barring the odd thing like Cardiff. But we generally we're a lot tighter, um, and we we need to to sharpen up on taking these chances. I mean, you know, you, I'm not having a go at Luke Berry here, but that chance he missed. You know, at Swansea, and, and you've got to take those chances. And I mean, to be honest with you, Colo's been a bit guilty of that as well. But I think for a striker, you know, sometimes when it, when it's not coming as 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 freely as it should be, you can uh, it, it, it can affect your game because you're trying too hard, you're trying to make sure of it, and of course it goes the other way. Whereas when a, a striker's got confidence, you know, they'll do it, and invariably they'll do the right thing. So. I think Nathan's aware of it and he knows what's got to be done. It's not necessarily getting a new striker in. 
It's just getting the players to do the right thing. And you look at it, you, you've had Pele, you've had George Moncur, they've had shots from outside the box and they've scored. So if they do that, you know, there's been a couple of times we've seen in games where players, you know, they get into a shooting position and if they hit it first time, they get a shot in on goal. But invariably, they take a touch. Then the, the, the defensive cover's got in there. So then there's no chance to take a shot. So it, it, it's a combination of things. But if I look at it, I'm not unduly worried. I, I'd, I'd be more worried if we were leaking goals. That's the thing, isn't it? I see it's not panic stations because yeah. I think they've been set up to keep it tight. And if they can try and nick one, you think the amount of goals, they, the games they've won by just one goal. I think uh, the, the fact that the defence is doing its job is a, is, a, is a really big bonus. So it's not it's not really that it's not a huge concern. It's a frustration at the moment. I think and if they weren't getting into the positions to score these goals, then that would be a different story. If it, if there was just absolutely nothing happening up front, that would be a different story. Um, I'd like. To, it's one thing I'd like to know is the amount of stats of of Harry Cornet getting up there and like. He win a corner, but he's not not managing maybe to beat his man and get a crossing. Um, I think he's got so much pace to burn. That there's probably an avenue there that they could probably work on. Um, but he, you know, he needs a goal as well. Tash, is there any players that you would like to see come into the team to help with the attack? I'm thinking maybe Danny Hilton when he's fit, Elliot Lee, Kazengalua Lua, these kind of players that we've seen a lot of in League One that did the job. Any of those that you think are worth a try? I think Loire Loire, yeah, is worth a try because I think he's quite good at what he does, like directing the ball and trying to go forward with the ball. So he does try an attack like straightforward and not muck about at the moment. But sometimes I do think it's a lack of confidence with the players. With like, um, what's his name? It'll come to me in a minute. Harry Cornick, I think it's a lack of confidence with him. I think he thinks too much into it and then thinks, do I, don't I take it? And then it, then he loses that of time. So I think he panics a bit sometimes. Yeah, if we can just get a little bit of confidence sort of in those wider areas and maybe sometimes rather than put the crossover, just mm. pull it back to the edge of the box yeah. or something, you know, and just try something different. Because all the crosses, like Tony said, they go to the front post or, yeah. or, or, or to the back post, but just, you know, maybe... Maybe try something different. Uh, James, I'll finish with you on this um, one because there's a piece going up on your website sometime soon about a youngster that we brought in recently who was actually on the bench at Swansea on Saturday, Dion Pereira. Now, he very much could be the answer to some of these problems because, you know, anyone who's not sort of familiar with him, he's a left winger with pace to burn and he, he could be the answer to unlocking a bit of the creativity down that side. It was very interesting to see him on the bench, wasn't it? Because um, when he signed last month, it was uh, as an under-21 player. But he's got first-team experience and quite a bit of it. He obviously been in the MLS and I know uh, you watched quite a bit of that. You, you've written this piece uh, about him and you, you've seen a lot more of him. I've only seen uh, sort of clips, packages about him, but you, you've seen that. So it's good to see that he has uh, made the bench. Uh, I mean, he's played for the under twenty ones tonight. They've just they've just lost to Crystal Palace two one. Um, but yeah, Nathan Jones was talking about him, saying he's got something about him. 
and maybe it's a bit too early who knows he might get his chance you know the amount of injuries that are floating around football at the moment because of the, the crazy schedule and the fact that you get five subs even though he didn't use them yesterday against Coventry because he could have he could have brought on 50 subs and nothing would have happened <laughs> um, did you not enjoy that game oh my goodness I mean, it's different when you're at the game, and you, you, even if there's no fans, you can. I don't think some, it would have been. You can soak it up. It would have been any different if you were at the game, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm polish a turd, and that's exactly honestly what that was. between that game being, like you say, a turd, and and uh, Nigella Lawson with a crazy, <laughs> a crazy microwave pronunciation. Uh, Did you call my, the game my... a turd? You've upgraded. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Gotta be polite. Gotta be polite. (laughs) But uh, who are we talking about? Oh yeah, Pereira. Um, Yeah, but the thing is pace, isn't it? And that that is that is really, uh, you know, where you're going to get some inroads in in the championship. You've got to you've got to um, get defenders on their heels and run at them. And um, you know, really in that team. You've got Harry Cornick with a lot of pace, and I make I, I make Natasha right. I think it's confidence at the moment. Mm. I wonder how much like those chances last season where he's one on one has sort of affected that because if he just runs at people, defenders are scared. Um, but I, you know, sometimes I see him double up, double up on him, and then then he's then it's a pass back and and the move breaks down. But he has got pace, and there's obviously Kazenga Lawalawai who's got pace and a bit of a trick as well, but. Um, He's obviously been bought uh, as one for the future, uh, Dion Pereira. And if he's already making the bench now, then, you know, you've got to hold out a little bit of hope that he might actually see some game time this season. I would be very surprised if he's not in and around the first team by the end of the season. I said that to you when he signed, and that's a a point that I make in that piece. I was actually interested, James, that you asked Nathan about... um, about him specifically ahead of the Coventry City game. And he said that it wasn't a token gesture putting Pereira on the bench. So clearly he's going to be involved in some way, shape or form moving forward, whether soon or, or in the distance. Yeah, I mean, he's he's of, he's of a good age, isn't he? He's, he's not going to be green uh, to it. Y- yeah, he might be new to the championship and obviously that takes some I'm adjusting to, you know, if we were talking about Tom Lockyer earlier in the episode that he's at Dubai this time and he's a Wales international, then, um, you know, you can see that it's probably not right to just chuck him straight in, but get him on the bench first, give him a taste of that and then maybe bring him on last five minutes or something. That's what they're doing with Sam Nombe at the moment, isn't it? And giving him that game time. And um, I think that's uh, that's probably the way to go and that's, that's probably how we might get a foothold in the in the team and you might see him. Yeah, I mean, he was signed as Miguel Almiron's replacement at Atlanta United. Um, so they obviously saw something in him, which hopefully we can get out of him. OK, let's hope the goals start to flow and let's hope they start to flow as early as Saturday. We've already said that 2000 Luton fans are going to be back in Kenilworth Road and if you are going, rest assured it is really safe and, um, and enjoy the game. Um, Tony, I'll start with you first on this one. Preston, Historically, they're better at home than they are away. But as Sod's Law would have it this season, they're better away than they are at home. What do you make of the game? What do you make of our chances? And obviously, the advantage that having a crowd there is gonna is gonna be because obviously, since then we've played two games without crowds and not really inspired anyone. Mm. 
Well, I mean, it should lift the players and lift the team. It, 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 this is a difficult one to call, to be honest with you. I mean, you'd expect to win your home games, but uh, with Preston's away form at the moment, it's a, a, a difficult one to call. So uh, I'm going to play fairly safe here, and I think I'll go for 1-1 with that. Yeah, James, I noticed they beat Middlesbrough 3-0 tonight, so they've just gone just gone above us. Um, but they've conceded 25 goals this season. Only Coventry have conceded more. It, I suppose it doesn't bode particularly well that we didn't score against them last night. But how do you uh, actually see Saturday's game going? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, I didn't go up to Preston last season, but um, I was at the the home game, uh, the first game back from... Nathan's first game back, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was his first game back and... Um, you know, you have to say it was a great result for Lewin, but they absolutely nicked a point out of that because they were no good whatsoever. Um, so having only seen that, and it looks like they kind of carried on that away form that they had, um, I think it's a really tricky one. They are they are one of those sides, probably like Luton and the way that Nathan Jones is talking about Coventry, that haven't got superstars, but they make no bones about it. They've got a bit of money behind them, I think. Uh, Preston and they, they they will be up and around the, the playoff spots I reckon so it'll be a tough one um, I might join Tony get some splinters and go for a draw yeah they might Yeah, uh, they, they, they must have a fair bit of money behind them because the fellow who owns them seems to win Grand National every year so uh, you can't be short with you Bob um, Tash how do you see that Preston game going um, James mentioned that it was the first game back and obviously Callum McManaman scored a worldie in that game, which probably highlights what you all said, actually, about mm-hmm. us having a bit, having a few shots from outside the box and you never know. Uh, do you think we can win on Saturday or will win on Saturday, rather? I hope we will, but it is going to be a tricky game. I can see it being, yeah, it is going to be tricky for us. It's going to be hard because you can tell like Preston are coming along like nicely. And that, so it is going to be tricky for us, but hopefully we get a draw out of it and go from there, really. Yeah, they couldn't beat Tony's favourite lot, Wickham, last week. So uh, that bodes well for us, uh, mm. I suppose. Uh, now, there's not very many times as a Luton fan where I'm delighted that I can't go to a game. But next Wednesday is very much one of them because I can't think of anything I'd like to do less than trek all the way up to Middlesbrough for a Wednesday night game at the Riverside Stadium, even though I've never been there before. Uh, James, I'm pretty much certain that I can tell that you're not going to that game. But what are you expecting from it? Oh, I'm, I'll have another victory up there. Thanks very much. A, <laughs> you will, will you? <laughs> yeah. No, it was a great. It was a great, uh, great time up there last season. Um, it's a weird one with Middlesbrough. I, I don't fancy them at all. But look where they are in, in the league. They're you know eleventh eleventh place. Um, but they're in that sort of mid table bracket with Luton at the moment, and I fancy Luton. Even though there was no hope of it against Coventry, I fancy Luton to keep it tight and go nickel 1 0. Yeah, there's something about Colin Warnock, isn't there, Tony? He seems to get teams fired up in this division because they were woeful last season. Although, funnily enough, after the opening day of the season when we drew 3 3 in that classic, everyone was thought, you know, that that was the benchmark of the of the season to come. As it turns out, it, they were anything but. But uh, what have you made of Middlesbrough this season? What do you think about that game next week, other than the fact that? It's a horrible place to go on a Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, uh, do you know what? There's a side of me that thinks that they're doing well despite Warnock, not because of him. Well, it certainly um, ain't anything to do with his assistant, is it? Because that bloke's the biggest idiot that's ever managed oh, our football club, and we've had a few of them. You know, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, I think this is a, again, is a, is another toughie to call. Um, I want a Luton victory because, you know, I've got family members who are Middlesbrough fans. Uh, so uh, there's, a, there's a few sort of uh, bragging rights there, but uh I'm I'm really fearful that it will turn out to be like another trip to Wales. Um, you know, the, the the town at the moment don't seem to travel too well, and it it seems to be like a real problem for us scoring away from home. So perhaps we're due to 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 bang in a couple of goals there. So uh, I'll be happy with a point, but hopeful for a, for a win. Yeah, cue that joke about the players' wives being happy that Luton can't play away at the minute, etc., etc., etc. Tash, what do you see of um, that Middlesbrough game? Um, tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one, but I've, I've got a feeling that we could do it. I think, I think, yeah, we can score a point. Absolutely that. love this confidence uh, about yeah, this game because I, I must admit, I, I'm not as confident. I must admit, but you know, <laughs> after what Simon did last month, I'm, I'm not writing anything. Uh, yeah, that's true. But anything yeah, off. I think. I think we can do it this time. Yeah. Did he do something of merit then, Kev? Well, you know, I mean, he's got this crystal ball, hasn't he? And uh, you know, <laughs> what 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 can I say? Uh, you know, if you can give me the lottery numbers, that'd be nice. But hey, you know, <laughs> no, if you've got crystal ball, you can get treatment for that on the NHS. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll pass that piece of advice on to him and steadily move on to the following game, James, where. Bournemouth at home was meant to be the return of Jack Stacey, but he's injured, so it won't be the return of him. However, it is the return of our previous manager uh, in a coaching role there. What ex- uh, what sort of reception do you think he'll get, firstly? And what will the result be? Well, I think uh, history's brushed him under the carpet, really, isn't it? He's, uh, he wasn't well-loved. I, I like the guy. I, I got on well with him, but, uh, you know... You can see he didn't, he didn't help himself with the clapping thing. However, whether you think that's minor or not, um, it cast him in a, in a fairly bad light and uh, results were really woeful in the mid, middle part of his manage, management uh, career at Luton. But one thing you have to say is that he, it was his teams that started the turnaround before lockdown. Um the performance was better, got some results. And that, that started looting on, along the road of, uh, you know, staying up. Obviously, Nathan Jones came in and, and finished the job in some style. But um, in the same way that I think Nathan was relieved that there were no fans for his return, we said for the first five minutes, I think Graham Jones would be quite relieved that there ain't going to be that many. Uh, for this one there would be so much of an irony wouldn't there if you walked down the tunnel and clapped uh, clapped the Luton fans that were around um, that part of the game after uh, after that storm in a, well storm at Brentford um, can we beat Bournemouth is the big thing though they're obviously second in the league aren't they and uh, they're doing pretty well for themselves even without Jack Stacey no no <laughs> I don't I don't see it I'm afraid it's one of those games where we're going to need Simon's optimism, I think, Tony. Um, firstly, if you're one of the ones who can get a ticket for that game, what reception will you give uh, Graham Jones? And also, how do you see that game going? We are a club, as I said, when I did some of the media stuff for that Norwich game, who's 
to tend to surprise when our backs are against the wall and underdogs, aren't we? Mm. I mean, it's always a Luton way. When we, when we normally play teams at the top of the league, we, we play really well and we give them a game. I would expect that as well because, um, you know, there's plenty of incentive. I, I think out of the, the games that we've talked about so far, I think this is the hardest game and I think it will be a far harder game than the Norwich game. Uh, they're a good side, Bournemouth. Um, with Graham Jones, I don't bear the guy any malice at all. Um, you know, he, he was our manager for a bit and it, it, it didn't work out. Um, he's gone now. We need to concentrate on what we've got to do. And, you know, like, like James, you know, in yourself, we met the guy and uh, he, he's a nice, likeable bloke. Um, it wasn't the right job for him. He's gone. We move on. So, you know, if I if, if I had the opportunity to talk to him, I'd say, hello, how are you? Bear him no ill will at all. Uh, and you know we we sh- we should be grateful because we are in a better position than we were when he when he left. And James is right; the turnaround did start under him. Um, so he 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 obviously is part of um, how we're doing now. So um, yeah, again, I'm I'm going to be hopeful for three points. We'd settle for one, and just hope we don't end up with with zero on the night. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Tasha, I'll ask you the same two questions. Uh, how do you how do you see the reception Graham Jones will get, and um, how do you think that game will go? Yeah, with Graham Jones, I just think we just need to leave it. It's, he he wasn't the right man for the job. He got us where we are now. Like we've progressed from that. Like yeah, with Bournemouth, it's going to be a tough game. We can just see that because they're second in the league. It's going to be really tough. I can see we can't. I can see we're gonna lose this one. I can just see it. <laughs> I'm not gonna be like really happy about this one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could just see us, yeah, not not winning. I can't. It's gonna be tough, really tough. Yeah, I must admit, I um, I see it as that. But those who listened last month will will know that I didn't give us a chance against Norwich either, and. Uh, look what happened there so um, right, you never yeah. you never know James one person who could come back and would definitely get a good reception is Cameron Carter Vickers hasn't played for them yet so I don't know if he's injured um, but if he is in their side he will definitely get a round of applause from the 2000 in the ground oh yeah he was a major 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 part of Luton State last season but um, I hope he doesn't play because if he does even less of a chance I think of, uh, of us getting past him the man's a wall Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Great player. Uh, obviously, we wish him well, apart from on the 19th of um, <laughs> December. Uh, amazingly enough, and I'll stick with you, James, there's a midweek off the following week. Now, I don't know who put that into the schedule because that doesn't seem to be uh, how, it, how it's meant to play out at the minute. But we go right the way through to Boxing Day where we come up against a red inside. We must be attached to in some way, shape or form because we play these buggers more often than any team I know. Obviously, we've already played them in the whatever the League Cup's called these days. Got them in the FA Cup and we play them on Boxing Day. And they're going along pretty well, aren't they? They're, they look to be a completely different animal to the one that came down here and won 5-0 after lockdown. How are you, how are you seeing that one? Yeah, they've got goals in them, haven't they? Um, unfortunately. Um I'm sick of seeing them as well. Isn't it? I'm it's like... sick of seeing them. It's just... Do you know what? The, 
there's nothing glamorous about them either, is there? No. I mean, it, it's all right if you're seeing one of these sides six times in 15 months or whatever, if it's, I don't, I don't know, Man United or something, then you, you're happy days. But Reading, I mean, he can't get any more boring if you tried. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they are so boring that they have to have a drummer uh, trying and to generate an atmosphere losing. at their ground. So. <laughs> they're losing uh, at home tonight, 2-1 to Birmingham. Yeah, they are. They're losing now. They're losing oh, well. tonight. <laughs> Long may that, that continue. Maybe it's the start of a losing run. But I, I, know we're, I know we're talking about the Boxing Day uh, game, but um, the FA Cup draw was the, the dampest of damp squibs. I mean... The, the draw and the third round of the FA Cup were one of the greatest days of the football calendar. And between getting them and the prospect of very few fans being in to watch it, it's just an absolute letdown. And just another one of those casualties of COVID, I, I, I think. The, the, the quicker this vaccine comes around, we get back to everything being uh, normal. I'd... Uh, I very much appreciate it, but it would have been nice just to get a plum draw somewhere, wouldn't it? Even though, well, no, actually, would it though? You know, if you got Man United and you couldn't go and watch the game because they're in tier three, mm. well, you know, what's the point in that? Yeah, we've already been there and done that. Yeah. <laughs> we've had a glamorous tie against Peterborough or Lincoln or somebody like that, and we get ready. No, no. Well, it's like, I mean, that time it's like that time that we. Um, did the podcast on the day of the third round draw, didn't we? And mm. Sheffield Wednesday away came out and, you know, it was like, Christ alive, that was like such an anti-climax. But so was this one. It's it's just really good. Anyway, on the Boxing I Day, think, uh, are we, are we going to have some Christmas cheer? Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, there's always some strange results on Boxing Day. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a bit of cheer there and then they'll probably just gub, gub us out of the cup and, uh, <laughs> in the third round. Well, if they're um, losing to Birmingham tonight, Tony, there's got to be some sort of um, positivity for us because I didn't think Birmingham were a particularly good side at all. No, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, they didn't look like they had anything at all. So it's not looking good for Reading at the moment, but they've still got enough time to turn it around. I mean, they started well Reading, didn't they? And uh, they were top of the table at one time, but they seem to be dropping now. Um but uh, I, I fancy us for a win there on Boxing Day. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, uh, I don't care if they knock us out of the cup, to be honest with you. Um, you know, as, lo- as long as we uh, have a better season in the championship this season than we did last season, it looks like it's shaping up that way. So, But I, I, I quite fancy us to get three points down there, even if it is only 1-0. Mm. Tash, do you share that optimism? Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. I think it's like... Redden's like a bad thing. It always comes back to bite us in the arse sometimes, doesn't it? So that's probably why we got it again. <laughs> well, the yeah. one thing, the, the one thing that's for sure is we cannot possibly be any worse than the two games last season because oh, we were yeah. ter- we were terrible down there when James made the mention of the fact that there was a drummer in the stand mm-hmm. giving you all headache, oh, yeah. and then yeah. the home games best forgotten. Yeah, but I, I'm hoping we can do it. I'm hoping we can win that day because Boxing Day. So yeah, I think we can Absolutely. do it. Three points. Absolutely. And then we come down to another midweek game under the lights, James, uh, which is obviously we all know we don't lose those. Um, Bristol City at home. Another former player is going to come up against us with Tyreek Backinson, who mm. everyone thought the world of actually in that youth team. And then he went quiet, got loaned out to Newport, I think it was. And, you know, obviously the town had players like 
Alan McCormack and uh, and and now Glenn Ray in that role. We kind of forgotten all about him, but uh, it'll be interesting to see his progression. How do you see us going against Bristol City? Side that we beat down here last season, actually. I think it's going to be an interesting one with Backinson because he was very highly thought of. Um, but I'm led to believe he was a bit too big for his boots and thought he should be a bit further along than he was. Uh, to be fair, off. he's a tall lad and those boots are quite big as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And off, he, and off he went. And, um, you know, when he... Yeah, when he sort of signed for Bristol and was just playing in the under 21s, you thought, well, that's why, mate. But he's obviously <clears throat> he's impressed enough that he plays regular now, and he's he was he, he was keeping Joe Moran out the out the side, wasn't he? And that's why we've got Joe Morrell. So it'd be a very interesting midfield battle if Joe Morrell starts a few more games and plays a few more games, and they line up against each other because I'm sure Joe will have something to prove there. Other than Checker trade performances, which I don't know if you can judge much against those. I don't really see much of Tyreek. Um, so, uh, you know, he'll be a completely different player now if he's in, if he was sort of first first name on the team sheet for Bristol City. Um, and they're in a very, very established championship side. So, um, yeah, it, it'd be an interesting one, but not, not one where I can really judge too much about what, what I'll see from him but Bristol City it was completely different games wasn't it up at, up at um, Ashton Gate there was nothing it was one of those days where it went it went very badly from the, the first kick of the game almost and uh, and didn't recover and Luton had nothing nothing in the tank there but uh, then obviously uh, a different story at Kenilworth Road so um, let's hope it's a bit more like that one I, I, I think with the, a lot of these teams um, probably Norwich the result it, uh, um, notwithstanding but uh, Norwich, Bournemouth and, and Brentford are, are the teams I sort of wouldn't expect Luton to get anything out of but the other teams in that top um, uh, 10 uh, I think they give Luton a lot more chance to play how Luton want because they, they would just expect to go out and beat Luton and, and try and go at them. And then Luton can count, play on the counter, which tends to be um, what they favour. So I, I think that they're another one um, that, that could probably do that and they would leave some gaps open. And um, it's just about whether Luton can punish them and, and be clinical. Yeah, it's that M5 corridor, isn't it? Luton don't seem to travel too well down that way. Bristol City, mm. Cardiff, Swansea. We've lost at them all um, in recent times. James, another, sorry, Tony, another um, another player coming back who's been at the club but didn't actually make the breakthrough is Jay De Silva uh, down at left back. We see there's an awful lot of fullbacks doing the rounds in this division that have come through our um, our academy or played for us. He He's another one. How do you see... Uh, that game against Bristol City going, they 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 seem to be a hit or miss side. I noticed they've just gone ahead against Blackburn tonight. I, I was just going to say that they, they, they blow a bit hot and cold. Um, I think with the two ex-players coming back, they'll, they'll probably be looking at and thinking they want to show something. But I'm hoping that uh, both of them will end up having performances like uh, Aaron's did um, last week. Um but again, I, I, I quite fancy us to do well against them um, and get at least a point. So again, I'd be happy with that. Um, 
I, I, I think uh, we're quite strong in midfield, and, and I agree with James about the uh, morale but if he plays against uh, Bakinson. But even if it, if it's Glenn Ray in that role, I think he'll do more than enough against uh, Bakinson. So, again, I'm, 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 I'm not worried about him or De Silva, to be honest with you. Tash Bristol City uh, on paper, you know, it's one. It's another one of those tough games. But as I said, we managed to beat them last season. Yeah, it's a tough game. It is a very tough game. Means they've just beaten, well, just scored against Blackburn Rovers. So it's going to be a tough. Are they eighth in the table now? Yeah, they're all thereabouts, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough. just in the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, it's just going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'll call cool, that one. Yeah, fingers crossed the floodlights of uh, <laughs> Kenilworth Road inspire us. And then finally, we go into the first game of uh, 2021, James. Um, it's kind of fitting, really, that Nathan had a few words to say about the schedule and uh, the diluting of the quality and everything else in particular. I mean, it's almost like he was like Simon in his uh, crystal ball-like manner, the way that he said it, and lo and behold, the worst game anyone has ever sat through uh, followed. But... I guess that's one of the things that we've got to think, you know, that's going to happen over Christmas, isn't it? This Christmas period is always ridiculously packed, but this year as well with the heavy pitches, the rain that's coming down and everything, it wouldn't be a complete surprise if this QPR game turns into another one of those Coventry City games where the teams just cannot get themselves going after a long period. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have this throughout the whole season, the, the fact that it's like this congested... You, you, the league, thankfully, or the clubs in the league have voted through this situation where you can have five subs, which will start to play a big effect during this Christmas period, I think. Um, but there's injuries all over the place. Everyone's at, uh, getting in. The, 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 the players are playing. They're playing too much. And there's this argument, isn't it, from uh, old schoolers that say, oh, well, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, they used to play, you know, three times a week and they managed it then, but the game was slower. It was so much slower. I, I, I don't know the stats of how far players used to run back then, but you know, they, they, they regularly run sort of uh, t- 10 kilometers in, in football matches now. In, in many ways, it's sort of unavoidable because you've got to get the season finished because they've already postponed the European championships in the summer to, to next summer. But I've said it on this podcast before. If you're going to make exceptional circumstances like they have for the substitutions, then I think you've got to make exceptional circumstances for the competition in the general in in general. And while you can't do that for the league, I don't understand why you have to play the cup competitions in this one season just to save to save the players. It's it's about player welfare and. You know, people are getting people are getting seriously hurt and injured, and and it doesn't benefit the game uh, in the long run if if it, it's being diluted in in such a way that that many players are getting injured or you can't put out a decent side. Or more commonly, that you play a game on a Saturday, the players have got to rest on a Sunday. They'll be back in on a Monday, but they can't go full throttle and really work on the training pitch for a team. Then they've got to play Tuesday and it just keeps on going like that. So you, all you're really doing is is trying to wrap them up, patch them up 
and get them out and playing again. So it's like, it is that while it's good that you get to see football regularly, is it really? Because are you getting the best football you could you could possibly have? I think That's the you, thing, isn't it? Because I mean, while fans aren't in the ground, they're kind of largely getting away with it, aren't they? But if someone had paid 25, 30 quid to watch that last night, I mean, it's not exactly going to drag them back to another game of football again, is it? You know, if they're part, you know, if they go infrequently, obviously, if you're a diehard football fan, you go regardless. But it's, and, and you know, I mean, the, the point that you make there, it's not the games, is it? I mean, you must have spoken to my old man because he pipes up with that comment about the old days every single time I mention it. But it's the recovery, isn't it? That's where these injuries are coming from. They, they just can't, cannot physically recover from the game before. And these are young people that we're asking to do this. And while it's fine to say, oh, yeah, they're young, they should be energetic and blah, blah, blah. Yes, perhaps. But they're not built for the workload that they're being put through without adequate recovery time and and that's the issue isn't it and added yeah. to that added to that and i know you know you can't predict the weather forecast in this country but surely someone must have realized that the winter was going to deliver heavier pitches than autumn and spring and they could have spread out this silly schedule into a time where the pitches are at least a little lighter on the legs and the recovery isn't as needed as you know i mean the swans you didn't see the swansea game but the Swansea pitch resembled a cow field at the end of it. It was an absolute shocker. And then we've got to go three days later, perform on another heavy pitch at St Andrews. It's, I don't really see how that is, but I mean, that's digressing. Your prediction of QPR. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll have a win on that one. Yeah. New, new year. Yeah. Start new year, new year. New year, new strike force, and uh, let's uh, let, let's see the goals go. No, I, I joke. I, I fully accept that we don't have the funds needed to bring uh, those kind of strikers in. Tony, QPR, back in the day, I say back in the day, what are we talking? 15, 20 years ago, there was a nice little rivalry forming, wasn't there, around that FA Cup game and things like that. And it's kind of simmered, simmered since then, hasn't it? How do you see this one going? Um. Do you know what? There's something going on tonight. I think I've agreed with everything James has said tonight, and I'll go with that one as well. I think you briefed quite... each other beforehand. I'm going to stop sending the agenda out. For, um... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. I, you know, apart from the podcast, I, you know, I don't associate with James. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, QPR don't. Since they've Easy's gone, they, they, they don't seem to be the, the side they were. Um, and I, and I think, and we've improved, so I, I, I think we're quite capable of getting the three points off them. Um, and and that's what I expect is is a win against them. Um, that you know they're they're in the bottom half of the table, and uh, they seem to be on the decline at the moment as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I expect a Luton win. And and can I just say, uh, I, I again, I totally back James on what he was saying about the cup competitions. It's a crazy season. Um, we started the season later than we normally do, and everybody's playing two games a week, three games a week. And to play the cup competitions at the moment is just sheer madness. I, I don't know why uh, they, they they played the uh, what was the checker trade? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, I, I can't understand why they're playing the league cup. And uh, I think with the FA Cup. They, uh, why don't they just have a mini tournament up in the top six? Because it's usually one of those that wins it anyway. So, you know, um, and he's the 
fixture congestion that way, mate. But yeah, I, but I the, 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 the argument with the cups is that it's good. It's good for the fans, and the fans love it. If you get a great draw, it's a great day out. But if the fans can't go, what's the point? You know, you're getting a you're getting a duff draw against Reading that's nobody's excited about. Not even the manager. And um, it's, it's where's the excitement in it? I suppose the other thing as well with the cup competitions is Luton have come so far in so many years that, you know, three years ago you could draw a League One or a championship side and be, you know, quite happy with that as a decent day out. But now you've really, the odds of you getting a decent draw have greatly diminished by the fact you play in the second tier against these teams. So really you're looking at a Premier League team and even then you're not going to be excited about Burnley, are you? So you're looking at the you know the the big six really is is all you is all you got is a decent draw, um. So, yeah, but I don't know why they played the cup competitions. If they get rid, get rid now, so we don't have to go to Reading. If you're uh, yeah, if you're a Marine fan listening to this, I will give you these two grumpy sods um, email addresses, and you can moan to them because I'm guessing you're loving the FA Cup. Uh, right now, I don't know what you talk about of good days out, James, because the last two third round games we've had Sheffield Wednesday away, which was even worse than last night, and Bournemouth away. And I'm not even going to go there because that was just not worth going with. Um, the, the, Tash, the Sheffield Wednesday go, Tash, that was a good day out. Yeah, it was a good day out. It is. Yeah, it's yeah, a good day out. out. Yeah. yeah, just unfortunate that the game of football got in the way of it, really. Yeah, but, it was a bit, yeah, but. <laughs> That. We'll just leave that behind us. We'll move on. It's always remembered for a certain interview that followed it uh, in these parts as well. Um, Tash, QPR uh, at home. First game of 2021. Can we get off to a winning start? I think we can. Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, be home. Yeah. They're bottom of the table, like the 18th and the mid table. So, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can beat them. I don't yep. see why not. Nope, yeah. I agree. Fingers crossed for that. And uh, I'm mighty glad that Eze guy's uh, disappeared because he didn't half tear us a new arsehole down there last season. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> 20, 25, hey, 30 minutes that Kev, we were Can I here. just mention something tonight as well? Go. Barnsley are beating Wickham. Well, huh? Whatever <laughs> else happens for the rest of the evening, we will be overjoyed and, uh, uh, and happy. Uh, let's um, round off the current stage of the podcast, James. Uh, I'll come to you because you've actually covered a bit of this. Um, new plans are in the pipelines or have actually just been uh, presented, haven't they, um, to the council for Power Court. Um, there was an awful lot of fears that the music venue was going to um, be a casualty of COVID. And also in line with the fact that the supermarket has been approved down by the training ground, that that was going to get canned. Neither have actually happened. No. Uh, and it, a bit of a surprise for me, actually. Um, just sort of, well, you could only read in between the lines of what was coming out from uh, the club and from, uh, from Gary. You know, one of the lines that really struck me was you might have to uh, lose some of the more desirable aspects. And for me, that was the music venue. Um, you know, I've uh, I dream of the day that that power, power court site is built out, and I can go watch Luton. Uh, you know, in, on a Saturday afternoon, and stay around, have a few drinks, and go watch a gig in the evening. That'd be like manna from heaven for me. So, um, you know, the 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 live music industry in this country has been absolutely decimated by COVID, um, and when you're talking about some of the less desirable aspects or some of the 
commercially unviable ones at the minute as much as it pains me to say it then i would have thought that the the music venue would would, would go there but you know hopefully you know things are going to change the vaccine will change things and and life can get back to how it was and then those things will be commercially viable once more i think the things that probably uh might struggle a bit more and it's always it was always going to be the case anyway uh all, all throughout this whole long protracted period of trying to uh get what we deserve uh out from under the the nose of that crappy company that runs them all uh what was the retail side of it it's uh what covid has done is accelerated even more something that was pretty much going at warp speed anyway that you can buy anything you like off the internet and have it delivered to your door so um uh but then again the argument about power court and, and newlands park was uh always that it wasn't uh it was offering something different to what uh, the the mall does shopping wise anyway which is more of your um uh what's the word they use I, i'm failing to it's not coming to my mind anymore, but it's more like your, your your event day out rather than just your regular shopping which you could you know probably get off the internet it's more of a uh, go out have a, have a meal watch a show or go cinema and, and do a bit of shopping while you're there rather than kind of get your your milk and your bread so um yeah so the, the music venue as it stands with these new plans that came out this week that's still there the, the food store's still there they're still going to bring out the river lee um so it, you know it that it all looks good from from that point of view but it's whether there's going to be any more minor changes or any other big changes i suppose um maybe the changes will be the, the greater changes will be at um will be at Newlands Park because we know there's going to be a lot of office space there and again that's another thing that COVID's really really done for we're doing this podcast on Zoom at the moment and I haven't been into into the office since March I've, I've been working from home so maybe office space is, is less desirable these these days so maybe that's one of the things and um, we'll, we'll find out I guess in the fullness of time but I was I was mightily mightily delighted that there's going to be a music venue still yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what changes do come at Newlands Park. Tony, I'll, I'll quickly bring you in on this um, subject. Uh, the club have got a little bit of, not red tape, more white tape, isn't it, to go through before um, finalising everything. They've got stakeholders and things like that that they need to um, inform of the updates and, and things like that. And then we, uh, for everyone who keeps on asking me, uh, we will endeavour to get Gary Sweet and Mick Moran on this podcast. Um how 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 are you seeing everything? There's nothing to worry about. That's the first thing that we no, should really I stress. I don't, no, I don't think there is at all. And I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, there has to be changes. But it, it's been described as as tweaks, really, hasn't it? And 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 what has come out um, is it, it's concerning the residential there. You know, they're they're making the blocks a meter taller, and they're looking at more. Um, residential there and they're basically just changing things around I think from the um, aspect of Luton supporters and bearing in mind there's a lot of Luton supporters out of the town um, they they want to know that the, the stadium is um, is going ahead and there's not going to be great changes to that and from what I've seen of it it doesn't look maybe the position of the, ch the stadium is going to change slightly 
but it doesn't look as if there's going to be any changes to the structure of uh, and setup of the stadium as well. And I mean, you you look at the latest plans they produced; the, the, the halo is still there as well. Yeah, um, I thought that'd be a goner as well. But that's yeah, good. I, still I, I did as well. And, and I I love the thought of that halo because it, it it's something different, and it's a different way of floodlighting the pitch as well. And and when you think of um, you know the, the the stadium itself, although not on the flight path, it's not far from the flight path, and uh, having a normal set of floodlights, I think, could interfere. But with the halo, it's all all the light is beaming downwards, um, so I think that would would make a a, a, a difference, and it, and it's something you going to be unique to Luton Town. Um, so I I I I think the current climate, uh, the way the economy is, and with COVID. They have got to do something. They can't go ahead um, with the plans initially. But we always knew that. We always knew that the planning permission that was granted was outline planning permission. And what they're doing now is detailed planning permission, exactly how it's going to be. And 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 like James as well, I, I was um, really, really happy that the music venue is, is still going to be there. I think maybe it will just depend upon you know, what type of other commercial venues are going to be there as well? I, I, I mean, I, I still think you're going to get your food outlets and everything else, but they're just looking at, at doing something different. And also, you know, they, they, they've said about it, they probably have to tweak Newlands Park as well and look at it differently. There may be more office accommodation there than retail or whatever, but I'm sure we'll learn um, pretty soon. And, and, and as you're well aware, Kev, that, um, the trust is one of the stakeholders so that we, you know, we will be uh, party to uh, that process. And I, I, don't, I don't think it will be too long and, and, until it, it all comes out and the public's aware. And, and you know, it, it, it's not going to detract from the, from the fact that it's going to be an exciting future for our club. And, you know, after so long, you know, we, we will eventually have a stadium to be proud of. I'm not that I'm, I'm not proud of Kenilworth Road. I am, and, it, and 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 you know, it, it's been our home for for years and years, and and I love the Kenny and the atmosphere, especially in an evening game. But really, to to move forward into the twenty first century and to have any hope of competing at the level we are, never mind the Premiership, we 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 have to have this new stadium, and uh, the whole thing is, uh, you know, as as we all know, will be so good for the town and the surrounding areas so i don't think any lutonian never mind luton town supporters should get um upset or too downhearted about you know changes coming i think it's still going to be something that we're all going to be proud of and we're all going to be so pleased of so you know it's the old kinney saying isn't it keep the faith yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, Wickham will be relegated by the time that comes around. So football's in the flight path won't be a problem. I mean, if either. they never play it, <laughs> if they never ever get to play at, at, at Powercourt, I should be happy. <laughs> You'll be happy if we never ever play them again uh, after the away game uh, this season, mate. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we are expecting more um, update, <clears throat> updates with regards to the plans, both Powercourt and Newlands Park. Between now and the end of the year, stroke early january so we'll react to more in full in january in our next podcast and as i say we will push to get gary sweet and mick moran uh, on the podcast to explain everything for you guys so let's finish this podcast peeps with a look back at 2020 
Um, this is the last podcast, the last full podcast that we're doing. James, I'll start with you. Um, 2020 has been a crap year away from football and indeed for football. But there have been some good moments. What's been your favourite moment of 2020? It's a tough one. It's a real tough one. Um, uh, there have been a few. Um, Contender-wise, it didn't... Uh, Early on uh, in the year, there was the the win against Derby. I really had a, I really enjoyed that and uh, Wayne Rooney uh, reaction and all that. Uh, just the way that 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 game panned out and the, the way that they won it, it was a it was a cracker. Um, I think just before lockdown, there was the Simon Sluger save at, at Wigan. Um, that was another contender for me. You know, from the lockdown, obviously that was it, it was awful, and, and it, glad that football came back. But it it was it was the final day. It, it was um, the final day of the season, and, and staying up and everything that went just right on the night, even to the point where you know Blackburn was scoring the goals for Lewin. Um to, to have achieved that. Uh, Considering um, Luton had been in the bottom three since Boxing Day, I think um, was was something else. Uh, and the only thing, the only thing that was missing was was ten thousand fans to be there in the ground and, and a, a, a pitch invasion at the end, um, a, a celebratory pitch invasion. Um, but to to have done that, uh, considering where, where where Luton had been. Was uh, was really remarkable, and um, you know, after after such a such a, I was looking for a erudite way of saying it, but just such a shit year for not just football, is it? Let, let's be honest, football's uh, insignificant, really, in the grand scheme of things. Twenty twenty has been an absolute uh, a dog of a year, and I, I can't wait to see the back of it. So, um, uh, but yeah. Uh, closely followed uh, that that win against Blackburn. Closely followed by uh, seeing seeing a thousand, uh, seeing ninety nine nine hundred ninety nine, and and you in for the in for the Norwich game. Uh, it, it it was great. It was um, it, it was just a sense that things might be coming back to back to normality. As long as this time next year <laughs> things are back to normal, I'll be happy. Yeah, we'll come on to next year in a minute. I'll just make a note that I'm going to charge you for all columns that I do on your website <laughs> after that. Um, and I will come to to Tony. Tony, it's been, I mean, it's been an up and down year, and it? It's been an up and down year away from football and football. What was the What's the one memory so far of 2020 uh, football-wise that you're going to take away? Um, football-wise, um, probably that Blackburn game. Um, and staying in the championship when, you know, a few weeks before that, we'd looked at, um, we looked like we were dead and buried. We'd gone, I mean, and having the last laugh on Mr. Bowyer, um, who seemed to think that we were down and he ended up going down with his club chart and we got their best centre back as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, that, that for me, football wise, yes, it, it, it is great. Uh, you know, as well as that, it looks finally like we, we are going to get um, 
a new stadium. Um, finally getting that planning permission for Newlands Park was fantastic. On a personal wise, um, I'd just like to mention that the highlight of the year and the highlight overall for me was becoming a granddad again um, to two lovely, lovely twin boys. And uh, both of them, Archie and Sonny, are uh, going. They've got no choice. They're going to grow up to become ardent Luton supporters. And that's not just me. That's their dad as well. <laughs> and um, and their mum, of course, Sean, uh, who, uh, who gave birth to them. And we hope, Sean, that you keep on giving Tony lots of babysitting duties in 2021. Um, Tash, what's the standout memory that you're going to take from the year, Tash? I'd say that, yeah, the Blackburn. The own girls, like when they scored, like for us, I think that was quite funny actually. Because my cousin's boyfriend, she, he's a Blackburn player, which is quite f- funny. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's why I think that's quite good actually. Was yeah, he playing was on the day? What was he no, playing on the day? No, it's, it's the, un- where he was the under 21s. I think he, uh, uh, he's trying to make the first team, but it's Joe Grayson. Do you know Simon Grayson? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's his son she's dating so. We'll see. We'll see if he does, and if we play against him when he's in the first team, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that was the funny one. I like that one. Yeah, that's promotion. Yeah, sorry. Um, safety guarantee. Uh, the highlight for uh, for the three of you. Then, um, do you know what, James? I can't pick a moment that I weren't at the football for because yes, that night against Blackburn was fantastic, but I just find it so hard to get the passion for a TV screen or a, or a computer screen or something, you know, and actually in the summer I was able to watch the games with my sister and my dad who I normally go to the football with. So it's not like now where obviously you can't mix households and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Blackburn and even the whole city game before it when Kaz scored quite late on, but for me, it's got to, it's got to be that Sluga save. There was that moment that, He's hit it, hasn't he, the fella? I can't, I can't remember who it was at Wigan who's hit it, but you're in the last minute after, you know, holding on for so long, and you just, oh, for fuck's sake, you have to, you, you know, you turn your back on it, that's in, and then out of nowhere, this save, and there was a collective gasp, wasn't there? And, um, you know, when you think where he'd been to where he was that day, you know, that, just that one moment, that save, and, okay, it turned out with Wigan uh, point deduction that we stayed up by three points, but it looked for most of the, sort of restart that if we were going to stay up, we were going to stay up by a single point and, and it would have been that save, wouldn't it, that that ultimately was the point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a major moment for Simon Sluger as well, I think. I mean, I mean, he had been playing well you know, prior to that, but, you know, if you're talking about big big moments to endear yourself to a set of fans and, and sort of give you that confidence, he's been amazing. He's looked a different goalkeeper since, since he hasn't he? Yeah, considering this start and we were all a bit concerned uh yeah. that's all gone now Kev, I, thought, I thought the highlight of this year for you was finally getting that tenor back off terry Opper. <laughs> well i mean you know small mercies and all that mate it's uh <laughs> it, you know it's, it's been a bad year but whenever that happens it's, it can never be uh too bad a year can it that's for sure and let's look ahead to 2021 then before we finish james obviously we've still got two-thirds of the season to go 
where's a from here where's a good finish for Luton and, uh, and what would you like to see in terms of progression from a playing style stroke squad point of view I I'm not going to deviate from what I, I said at the start of the season I, I, I don't see that they'll be anywhere near the relegation uh, positions uh, but I don't think they'll be bothering playoffs so you know right about where they are now give or take a, a couple of couple of spots then um, then I think that'd be a very good season it's about consolidating and, and building a base for you to become an established championship side and, and that's that's what you have to do um, so uh, I can I, I think that's that's fully achievable uh, particularly you know we're, we're almost at the halfway mark aren't we so <clears throat> uh, I don't think there's any any reason to be concerned about what happened last season and and that sort of nail-biting finish. Um, and I know people at the moment are talking about that they haven't scored that many goals, but, uh, um, you know, just going back to the point we, we, we talked about, I'm, I'm not so concerned that they're not, they haven't got the ability to do it and that, or they're, they're not creating the chances to do it. Uh, and I think that will, will sort of switch around. The thing I'm really looking forward to the most is... Um, it's looking having their the, the full complement of fullbacks and first choice fullbacks to try and implement um, the style that we all know and love. Um, that that would be good to see. And you know, <clears throat> Reece Norrett and Davis hopefully he stays beyond January. Uh, he's he's at he, he missed the game against Coventry. The poor, poor lad's been flogged to death, hasn't he? He's probably knackered. Uh, but he looked really he looked quality at the start of the season. Um, so a bit of rest and, and come back firing. Obviously, James Bree uh, isn't back up to speed yet, so him also to come back. Uh, and I think you'll you'll find that the options for uh, attacking and, and, and scoring goals might in, increase a lot more. So I'd like to see um, I'd like to see that in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I asked Reese uh, whether his legs were heavy or uh, things in the podcast that I did with him um, last month and. Um, you couldn't see it from the from the audio, but on Zoom you could clearly tell that he was a knackered um, <laughs> knackered fella. Um, Tony, where uh, where are you happy with us finishing? Where are you looking for improvements in twenty twenty one? I want to see um, you know us to keep on with this slow, steady progression we're making. Um, you know, I'd be happy for us to finish in the championship where we are now. Um, and then to, to, to keep going forward, further forward, we um, to increase the quality of the players we're bringing in, which is we've shown over the past few seasons. That's what we're doing, and uh, we look like we're getting ready for a for a challenge right at the top, maybe the play- playoffs, and um, certainly uh, for us to score a few more goals than we have been. So um, I'd be quite happy with that. Yeah, Tash. How do you? Uh, what 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 are your sort of hopes and aspirations for twenty twenty one? I hope we stay in the table, like mid table, like fourteenth or fifteenth, stay there. And I hope we score more goals. And I hope Harry Cornick will score a goal <laughs> eventually <laughs> this year. But who knows? But yeah, yeah. You sound like my sister, who's desperate for uh, Harry Cornick to score a goal. I'm not convinced that it's all down to his footballing ability, as far as she's concerned. Oh. But. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, 
that's for another day. Uh, Chats. I'm hoping that we are saving our goals, not all of them, mm-hmm. but some of them for April the 17th, where hopefully by hook or by crook, that stadium is full and that will be the occasion that marks all of the pain and angst that we've had for the last yeah. sort of nine months. I'll go things. along with that, Kev. I'll go along with that. Yeah. It stops them going up. That'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would yeah, be, that, be the icing <laughs> on the cake, wouldn't it, eh? Yeah, I dread. I dread to think what the police is going to be like, though. If they were, <laughs> if they were manning a, a behind closed doors game um, earlier on in the season, it, it could be it could be carnage if it's full. But well, we, haven't, we haven't got any statues to board up. That's for sure. Nice. No, that is good. <laughs> that is good. Um, all that's left then, really, is for me to thank uh, my three guests. Tash, it's been really good to have you on. Uh, feel yeah. free to come back and see us again in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like to wish all three of you and Luton fans everywhere a very happy Christmas, a very good happy new year, and I hope you all stay safe and take care over that period. And same to, to you, everybody yeah. out there. Cheers. Yeah, many happy returns, Olivia. Yeah, hopefully. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening all throughout 2020, everyone. We will be back with the same band and the same fun and banter in 2021 where hopefully as i say we can get back to a little bit more normality and i might even see these two odd bods in the flesh rather than on the screen of my ipad who knows <laughs> take yeah. care everyone uh, have a good bye cheers all. Bye.